Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. Last conversation was all about business, how to get yourself started, how to be able to sell your own business. A lot of us don't know how to do that. We get into these businesses and we don't know all the steps to having a broker, to having a lawyer. All those things are very important. So make sure you check out that show as well. And that will be archived at www.brightside with TK, most definitely. But here with me, I have the pleasure of being able to interview two guys at one time. So I'm very pleased for that. And they have a great book out called Recipe, an acclaimed parable book on the ingredients of greatness distilled through the art of culinary. And these are two exceptional authors, yes. And I'm I'm just glad to really, like I said, to have them on here. And it's not so much just about recipes, but this book really, I'll, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more once we actually get started into it. But I want to just give you a little bit of an introduction on them because I think this is only fair because my guest today, one of them has a unique perspective on success, greatness, and what it takes to create world-class teams. Chef Charles Carroll took his first culinary Olympics gold medal at age 24 and has participated in eight different Olympics over three decades as a executive chef at one of the highest rated country clubs in the nation. He manages and mentors a team of 75 in six kitchens and three restaurants, putting out 80 to 100 banquet functions per week and maintains an unshakable sense of team morale and family spirit in the process. He travels the country, giving inspiration talks to young people on the ingredients of greatness. He just retired from logging a quarter million miles in his two years stint as president of the World Association of Chef Societies. And in his spare time, he's written a book, A Culinary Parable, he calls it, with the go-giver co-author John David Mann. How does he do it all? And more importantly, why does he do it? We'll find out today. And for John Mann, what's it like to get inside the head of an Olympic gold medalist, to know what he knows and turn that knowledge and experience into a powerful story that unlocks the secrets of genuine greatness at the same time that it pulls us in and touches our hearts? That's the unique gift of storytelling New York Times bestselling author John David Mann. John has co-authored two dozen books, seven New York Times and national bestsellers. His books have been published in 30 languages and have sold more than 2 million copies. He is best known for his award-winning parable, The Go-Giver, co-written with business thought leader Bob Berg. His latest comment this fall is the culinary coming-of-age novel he co-wrote with with Chef Charles Carroll, The Recipe, A Story of Love, Love, and the Ingredients of Greatness. John and John, you guys, I really want to welcome you to the I really do appreciate you for really being here today. Thank you so much for taking out your time, Charles and John. Hey, it's our um, pleasure. 
wonderful. I'm I'm so excited today because of course I know you guys probably don't know, but I'm in this I just joined up with a financial services, so I'm trying to get my state license and I just came from my first appointment, so I'm very ecstatic right now. And I had to rush home. I was like, I got my radio interview to do. I'm really excited, and I actually have a book. Let me see, because I'm on Facebook Live as well. And here is the book, guys. Oh, sweet. This is the, because I'm on Facebook Live, so I love to broadcast. This is a book called The Recipe. It's a nice cover, too. I love it. When I, when I saw the cover and <laughs> read the book a little, I thought of Julia Child, and I grew up, actually, I'm an 80s baby, so I grew up watching Julia Child. I used to write all her recipes down, actually, but, um, I love man, it. you guys are awesome. You have done so much up under your belt, and it's hard to really say, sometimes we feel that we don't have enough time, but you have had all the time in the world to do all these many accomplishments. How did you guys end up meeting, anyhow? <laughs> Well, I, let, let me take that one, uh, uh, Nisha. Thank you so much for having the show. Let's see. You know, I, I was sitting at home having a cup of coffee one day, and and uh, I have had a couple other books out, and and uh, I read John's uh, Go Giver and loved the book and gave it all to our, all our staff. And I was sitting at a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning and watching, looking at Facebook, and all of a sudden I see John David Mann there. And then all of a sudden I, I get pinged from John David Mann. He said, Chef Charles, I just love your books, and and uh, I'd just love to do something, uh, some kind of project or a book with you. Is that, isn't that how it went, John? Yeah, he's totally lying through his teeth. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. It was, it was the other way around. I, I, I get the story confused every once in a while. But, hey, what, what do you want to say? John David Mann is the, he's the, the most popular, the most talented writer, uh, author in the country today. Um, I'm blessed to be on this, on this phone uh, call with all of you today. And uh, yeah, it's the other way around. I, I was a big fan of John, and I reached, I reached out, and, and uh, I couldn't believe he, he replied. And, uh, and uh, I guess eight, year, eight years later, here we, here we are. I know it is. So, it's a blessing how your how two different journeys ended up connecting in so many different ways. One almost as an entrepreneur starting your own career, John at the age of seventeen. That's amazing. Most teenagers don't even think about their careers in this lifetime. You know, we all at seventeen. What you're thinking about? Um, you thinking about right now? You're not thinking about maybe like a ten year plan later on. And that's what I was discussing right. with someone um, about having what you're going to do in 30 years from now, if your job doesn't work out for you, what do you have stored and planned? But you thought this at 17. Then we have a chef on here. Like, wow, you know, I would be too afraid to probably cook you dinner, um, Charles, because you probably critique and be like, no, there's not enough spices in it. I need more. It's not right. <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> it is, it's amazing. You guys collided together and now you have this book. So, um, I guess I could ask you, Charles, where did your interest in food and cooking come from? Well, I, I grew up in a country inn in Vermont, and my mom and dad owned the place, and, and I learned all my discipline from them. Any, I know your listeners are, uh, that have their own business know if you own your own place, you work eight days a week, and my mom and dad certainly did that. And, and uh, my dad was a chef, my brother's a chef, and so all that influence came from, come from them, really. Okay. Now, 
Now, um, you got into Culinary Olympics, and this is my first time of actually hearing that. What exactly is Culinary Olympics? Well, you know, you can relate it uh, to the Sports Olympics. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's held every four years, believe it or not. It's been going for 100 years, and, and, uh, and it's one of the most amazing feelings to represent, you know, your country in anything, really. And, and, and you, what, what you do is you, pe- you compete uh, individually uh, as a chef in all kinds of competitions here in the United States. You try to gain enough qualifications uh, to be invited to try out for a United States Culinary Olympic team, and then you do that, and, and uh, if you're lucky enough, you get on there, and then it just takes an, an awful lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And, and basically, once you get on the team, you train for three years, you travel all over the world, and you know you work 60, 70 hours, 80 hours for your own property, and then you work another 20 hours a week uh, studying and, and cooking and designing and plating and, and working uh, uh for towards the Olympic goal, and the Olympics are held every four years in Germany, and and uh, I've I've been a part of eight different teams now as a, as a as an individual, as a competitor, as a coach, as a manager, and ambassador, and and now I'm blessed enough to be uh, judging the the Culinary Olympics the last uh, two go rounds. Oh, that's awesome! You started off, and now you judge. That's really awesome, and they getting the best of the best. I can tell that. But I didn't even know. See, I was, I never knew it was a culinary Olympics. This almost sound like, um, is it on the same style like the shows that we actually watch on TV, like Master Chef with Chef Ramsay? Yeah, it's a t- it's a totally different ball game than that. Okay. I mean, that's that that's uh, action TV, you know, uh, entertainment. The 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 culinary Olympics is is you're going up against. In my case, representing the United States on the national team, you're going up against 40 other national teams uh, from all over the world. And uh, there's two parts of the competition. The first part is is a cold food competition, which was, is some of the most amazing uh, cold food dis- buffet displays you'd ever see. The food looks like glass. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. It's appetizing. It's it's just amazing and, and incredibly crafted. And then the second part is a hot food competition where – the team of chefs go into a kitchen uh, for five hours, and they play, they prepare four-course meal for around 120 or 140 people. So it's Ooh. very fast-moving. Wow, oh, it's got to be. I barely even have time to even think about what I want to cook just for four, <laughs> four people, but I think I did pretty good. I did some spaghetti yesterday, even though I know I wasn't supposed to be eating pasta because I was supposed to be on a protein regimen. But I did some – I did a little sauce. And had my meat in there, put a little red wine, cooking wine in there. They liked it pretty much. They had me doing it again. But just the thing, I always, I even do my chefs like that because I work for Marriott. And I tell them all the time, I commend you guys because to have to cook for so many people to know how much goes into each. Because, you know, back then with our grandparents and stuff, didn't nobody use measuring cups. They just knew what to put in. So you didn't have to worry about how these recipes are half a cup. Let's do a half an ounce of this. No, you just you just knew how to measure. And it used to amaze me when my mom would cook. I'd be like, wow, how do you know how much to do? So I really commend you five hours in the kitchen. Y'all, I'll be trying to get out of the kitchen. I can't stand when Thanksgiving come up. But I know I, I, like, to, I, know I like to prepare the dinner myself. But that, that takes a lot of consistency. But, John, I will. And you know what? Before I get to you, John, I I was reading a little bit on the first chapter and um about the chef and everything, how he was breaking down the ingredients and the step num the rule number one is to taste everything. That's the coolest part. <laughs> you get to taste everything. Mm. But I was looking at when he was talking about the shallots and I was like, you know what? 
that's the hardest thing for me to do because I always go on YouTube be like, how do you cut up this stuff? Like, I love watching shelves, how they cut up and everything. And I be trying to do it and it don't never come out perfect. But I'll be Because I had to go on the video like, how do you cut up onions? Because those are the worst for me. I cannot stand cutting up onions. They make my eyes cry, so I have to actually go on there. But this book takes you through step by step. You feel like you're actually in the kitchen with shelf in this book. Like, wow, you're taking me through all how to dice the onions, what to do, put them in a container and everything. But, John, I want to get to you. Because, John, you're known for writing about business. And that's awesome because we have so – I have so many friends and entrepreneurs, myself included – and especially for the go-giver books with Bob Burke, why write a story about cooking? What what got you into this? Well, you know, it was two things. Uh, the first thing was that when I first met Chef Charles, he told me he had this idea for a story. He said, he said this. He said, I got this great idea for a story. We should write it together. Nietzsche, if I if I had a nickel for every time someone said, I got a great idea for a story, we should write it together, I would be a very rich man. <laughs> but but I love that his idea. I mean, he described the idea he had. He'd already uh, written a draft. He had this whole. It was his idea. The story of the boy and the old man that we'll that we'll get to. When he described the the concept of the story, the situation of this young boy who's so torn up inside because he's lost his dad, I, I just fell in love with the kid, and I fell in love with the idea of the story. But that was only one thing. The other thing was I love food. I love cooking. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, talk, you talk about it, yeah, Charles says, really, you do? Yeah, he knows how much I love food because he's <laughs> in, the, in the business of keeping me fed. I, you know, you said you were describing how um, the book takes you step by step through peeling the onions and slicing the onions. I'll tell you why it does that is that when uh, I was working on, on, on the writing, uh, I'm standing right now in my little office at home, and I got a little desk here, a little chair. My kitchen is about 20, 25 feet away. I was going back and forth from my desk to my kitchen to my desk to my kitchen constantly because everything you read, every scene, like when the chef is, is teaching the boy Owen how to slice a shallot or how to, how to peel an onion so it will, won't make you cry as bad or how to, how to peel a carrot or how to you know, poach an egg or whatever, I was doing all those things. Of course, I, I, I needed Chef Charles's help to, to do them right. <laughs> but but I, was, I was practicing all that stuff. So, you know, it wasn't just with a – with a pen and a pad and a keyboard and a computer, I was uh, I had a chef's knife and a wooden spoon and a and a pan and a spatula too the whole time uh, whole time we were writing the book. Uh, I, mean, I just, I just help, want to say I, I think one of the, the one of the main reasons John said yes that he would do the book is he knew he was going to eat pretty good the next couple of years. So that's <laughs> I think that's the only reason. <laughs> it was a good bribe, you know. You know what? We should, we should tell people. We should tell people. There's, there's. The book is a story, right? It's a human it is. It experience. Is. It it's is a, story. a story. But, but, but. Did we mention there's food in the book? I think I think we forgot right. to mention this. There's food in the it book. Is. And and, it and is there's food. recipes in back. <laughs> and everything, everything is going step by step. Look at this. I mean, yeah. detail after detail. You guys really were specific on detail. The chef opened the oven. And not only the oven, he told you what he grabbed it with. Grabbed the hot sheet pan of bacon with his side towel in one hand and tongues in the other. Placed it up on the counter where he moved all the bacon to a resting rack with his tongue. Then used the tongs again to spray the bacon paper into the trash all in one unbroken movement like a pro hockey skater. Stealing the puck and swooping around to land a go. Now, if that is not craft enough, these these things are laid 
for you. You can only imagine. Because, of course, we all cook. We all have to have our hands. But they go into every detail. That's not nothing missed. I'm letting you know I'm throwing the paper away, what the paper probably smell like and sound like. And stuff. <laughs> like this, book, <laughs> this book is laid out. There was nothing y'all missed. But, John, you also, you ran books with business leaders, a Navy snapper, yeah. a uh-huh. Navy sniper, <laughs> which is awesome, yeah. and now yeah. a world-class chef. What what's the biggest challenge in getting inside all these different people's heads? You know, I, you mentioned the, the Navy SEAL sniper, and, I, and I've, I've written now five books with this guy who was a former Navy SEAL sniper. And in fact, he was uh, his platoon was one of the first uh, groups, one of the first units uh, with boots on the ground in Afghanistan right after 9/11. So he's got some serious combat experience. And then he went back to uh, uh, to U.S. and was tapped to to teach and reorganize the whole sniper program. So. You know, there couldn't be a more different guy than me. I, I, I've never been in the military. I am not a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I would never pass the, the entrance exam, and I am not a sniper. It's like we, our, our backgrounds are so different. But so the, the, the thing, the trick is to, you know, no matter how different people seem, where they come from, uh, what color their skin is, how they talk, their background, their education, the, you know, their nationality, whatever it is, we're all human beings. We're really all the same. And, you know, one of the keys to life, I think, is, is to pay attention to what we have in common and, 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 you know, and to get through what we had different. That's what this is like. It's like I make contact with this guy because he's a SEAL. I'm a cello player and a writer. But we both have the same values. And so it's right. connecting with the person on a person-to-person level and kind of getting inside their skin. And I guess it, it's probably what it must be like to be an actor playing, you know, Lincoln or Gandhi or Ray Kroc or somebody in a movie. Right, you have to get inside um, these guys' heads. Yeah, exactly. Just get in there and, be, and kind of be connected to that person, be that person, and uh, feel what they feel, see what they see, hear what they hear, and, and then just write as if you're them. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. like... There's right. a word for that. It's em- empathy. I think you have to be have to have empathy. Now, just like mm-hmm. when you're a teacher, you have to have empathy. If you're a you business sure person, do. you have to have empathy. Yep. You that's, do. That's the name of the game. Name of the game right. is empathy. It is. That is. For all my viewers, I am. I have the opportunity to interview two guys, two separate backgrounds, who came together. One is actually a chef, and one was in business, but they came together and they created this book called The Recipe. And this recipe is not just book full of recipes but it's it's a life story it goes detail by detail it's a wonderful creative book these guys did a great job um um getting back to you charles what impact did the olympic experience actually have on your life and well um first of all just uh it's a great question uh, we and we cover a lot of that in the book there's some of that in the book um the, the book is not a true story about me, but there's a lot of things in the book that I know about or have seen or, or experienced myself. And so right. we put the Olympics in the book itself. So I also wanted to explain to your listeners, um, th- as John mentioned before, this is, not a, this is not a recipe book. This is not a cookbook. This is a beautiful written parable about a little boy who loses his father at a very young age, and, and he's mad at the world. He's mad at God. And and uh, there's a there's a crusty old retired military chef who who is in a diner. You know, my dad owned a diner, and, and, and the scene is in New England. And he sees this boy getting in trouble. He reaches out, 
and uh, pulls them in, and, and, and each chapter is a life lesson, and each chapter they cook something. So it's a beautiful story that's, that uh, takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotions, and, and, uh, it does. And, and along the way, you know, teaches you some pretty special life lessons and, and kind of teaches you to slow down and enjoy life and savor every moment. So I just wanted right. to, to kind of paint that picture for your listeners. As far as the Olympics is concerned, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very convinced that I wouldn't be sitting here, uh, at least at uh, River Oaks Country Club in Houston, if I wasn't part of an Olympic team because it really gave me the di- discipline at a very young age uh, to, uh, to learn how to be on a team. That's really how my first book was inspired. And, okay. And, and um, many times, you know, you, you cook as an individual or you're on – you know, you if you if you golf, you sink a putt. You know, but on you know you you play as an individual. But to be on a team is a whole different story. And so the Olympics gave me that foundation, um, and um, and 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 the friendships and the networks all around the world and parts in parts of the country as well. Right, that is foundation that you can never give up. And when you were mentioning how the book takes you through every detail and description, it does. It gives you three rules taste everything, improve every dish you touch, and pay attention to the little things. And not only just focusing, cooking cooking is, it takes patience, it takes time. And anything that you want, it, it, it made me think of anything that you're trying to accomplish, it takes time, it takes skill. You have to perfect your craft in order for it to be perfect or, or if you want it to be good. That's including with business or anything that you want to pursue. It has to be good. So these steps not only valuable in learning through cooking, but also learning in life skills anyhow. But now you've done everything at the Olympics, Charles, from winning gold as a competitor to coaching gold medal teams to judging. What does it take to go all the way and reach that gold medal level in life? Mm, Yeah, well, I I think that – you know, first of all, you have to have patience, and you have right. to be okay with the process. And and if I could if I could share one thing with your listeners today, it would be, you know, dare to dream. Just there's a lot of there's some people that that dream and don't act, and there's other people that that dream and and uh, dare they dare themselves to dream, and they have the courage to jump and go after it. And then there's others that just don't dream at all because they just don't think it's worth the time or, or they would never be able to achieve anything. So, so you know, figure out what category you're in. I've been blessed to have, you know, uh, you know, I, too many dreams maybe. My wife would probably tell you. And, and uh, I'm doing things <laughs> th- this month that I never was even dreaming about in January. So so I, I, I just love – and, and uh, the, the, the secret t- for me really – has been not to give up. You just keep pounding and pounding and pounding on, on whatever project. We, we just started a, uh, our podcast uh, two months ago, and it's going incredibly well. It's uh, the recipe podcast, Celebrity Secrets to a Successful Life. And it's just one of those things. You know how hard it is. You're an expert in the field. And, and, uh, and just keep pounding and, until it happens. That's been when – you know, when you come up with that first dream, and it's, it's a number one, and it's all the way on the left-hand side – you know, six or seven or eight, ten months later, it may be all the way over on the right-hand side into level eight, nine, or ten. It may look nothing like it, like the original concept of the original dream. The biggest secret is just to be okay with the process and enjoy the journey. If you do that and never stop pounding, you'll be successful and, and get that gold, whatever it might be for you. I want to well jump in said, and say something uh, else. Well I'm said, Mike. 
go I'm ahead, John. I'm jumping to say something else about, about Chef because there's another piece. to. I mean, I've been watching this guy for a lot of years, and there's another wow. piece to that, that, that recipe for success. And everything he said is true, but there's something else. You know, you mentioned Gordon Ramsay and, you know, the TV shows that you see about chefs. And I think we, a lot yes. of us have this picture of the chef as kind of like this, this tyrant in the kitchen, this perfectionist who, uh, you yeah. know, you, you, you give him your dish <laughs> and he throws it in the ground and makes you cry because you didn't do it right, right? So right, because our chef kind of like that at Marriott. It's like, oh, my right. God, I couldn't yeah. work in this kitchen with you guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I've been out to his kitchen. I've been out to this country club, and I've watched him in operation. And, Technicia, let me tell you, it's, it's less like going to a commercial operation and more like going to a dojo or something. Because he's got, like, there's these dozens of kids running around, and Chef Charles is, like, raising them all like a mentor to become their, their greatest selves. And, and what, one of his secrets to success, I know it's one of the things he learned in the Olympics, and it's one of the things that's, that's driven him his whole professional life, is he's always looking for ways to build up other people, to champion other people. And he just mentioned to you his podcast. His podcast is not all about Chef Charles. His podcast is all about him having the chance to introduce this listening audience to all of these amazing friends he's got, all of these chefs, all these celebrities. And to me, you know, that's the theme of the Go-Giver books. The theme, the idea is when you put your focus on building up other people and you do whatever you can think of to, to make other people great, it's like a tide that raises all ships. It ends up making you great. It ends up making your dreams come true and making your life fulfilling. Right. That is so true. It's well well said, John. I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, in the yeah. book, the descriptions, as we said, the, the description of cooking are so vivid and detailed. Did you have to learn <laughs> to cook all these dishes yourself while you were actually writing? You know, I, I, like I mentioned before, I, I really did. And it's, it's um, I mean, I, I, I won't say, I'm not going to lie and say I cooked every last dish because I didn't. Uh, there's a few in there that, that I haven't tried yet and I can't wait. <laughs> but, but most of them, uh, most of them, uh, certainly all the cutting and all the descriptions of all that technique. Yeah, I, I did do all that. And it was, it was, um, it was really, really fun to do. The thing that I've told you, know, a lot of friends who have read the book have come back and said, you know, I cried in parts and I laughed in parts. But I also got much more excited about being in my kitchen. <laughs> and the thing that I've observed when, you, when I've, I've been with, uh, with, with Charles a couple times over there in Houston, we're, we're going to go this, this week together and have a book signing there. And we shot some video together of recipes that are in the book uh, this last summer that we're going to feature on the book's website. What I observe when I'm with him cooking isn't like how dazzling his technique is. I mean, that's all there. Fancy knife stuff and fancy ingredients. He's got all that, but that's not what I notice. What I notice is just how he's, like, in touch with the food. It's like watching somebody make a, make a, a pot with clay, you know. Um, he just – he's sitting there making a dish, and he'll start murmuring to himself, oh, my God, oh, God, this is just so good. And you can tell he just loves it. He just loves the food. That's what I really got out of the, uh, the process of writing the book is more than the technique – more than the step-by-step is just taste the food, appreciate the food, have a mm, love mm. for the food, and, and really make it, make it, you know, make it shine just because you love it. Uh, yeah. Yes, because people eat with their eyes. And I have been working yeah. in service food industry for at least about probably 12 years now. I started off at the airport, now I'm doing Marriott. 
and people eat with their eyes. I even had one lady, I remember I had a party of 25 this past week, and brought out her ribeye. She looked at it. It was cooked medium, but I don't look enticing enough for her. So out of all 25, I had to return her steak. And I told the chef, it didn't look right. It wasn't that it wasn't cooked to the temp. It just didn't look appealing. So I brought it back out, looked just the way she wanted, and she tore that thing up, broccoli and all. Their eyes and, 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 I, and I always say, I, call, I put people in different categories. Like, there's a such thing. It's a bartender. And there's a mixologist. Mixologists always go over and beyond. They know every recipe and know how to make your drink. They listen and know if you want your drink sweet, if you want it strong, just the same way as a chef and a cook. Cook, cook. See, I'm right. a cook. I call myself a cook because I can cook for my children. I'm a mom, and I will cook to survive to make it easy for my children. Now, I'm not a chef because I cannot think of something in two seconds off the top of my head and what to do with that fish that I have right now in my freezer and what to put with it <laughs> to make it appetizer for you to eat it without going and Googling, let me see, what kind of uh, recipe I can create. That's what I call a chef, someone who makes a pillar, and this one young lady on my job, she is so bad. She makes the food look wonderful. When I bring it out, I'd be like, yeah, I can. Br- I have bragging rights because I know the food's going to look just right. She takes out her time. Everything is laid out, and I tell the guests, love it. They love it so much they don't even be want to eat it. And I have gotten that compliment about her food. Be like, it's so pretty. I don't even want to touch it. I'd be like, well, you don't have to. You can take a picture of it, but um, you got to eat it sometime today. But it takes it takes patience, like you said. You, you can't just rush through something. People know and People know it can look good, but if you rest to it, be like, uh, I'm not going to eat that. That looks like that was thrown together for a dog. But uh, it, takes, it takes patience <laughs> to cook food. <laughs> it does. You, now, you know, to, Technisha, I, wanna, I just want to add to this, though. You know, the part of my pleasure working with John, though, I mean, because I've written two other books, but, but you know, and, and, and I'm an author, but John is an author. He's a pro. You know, I, I had a... a <laughs> I had a, right. a manuscript that was eight, you know, that was eight chapters long, and, and and it was black and white. And John took it and made it color and 3D and a wide screen. I mean, I mean, so so what I enjoy most about this whole process was, I guess that we had a we had a launch team of almost 200, and there's two comments that that I was so proud of in 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 the, our partnership, John and I's partnership, and and that was. Um, that they had a whole new appreciation for food and who they're feeding and and the process of 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 the preparation of the food they would stop and slow down and think about it and smell it and enjoy it and then they really focused on who who is they're actually serving which we make a really great point in the book it's a, it's actually even tied into the cover and then the second um uh, comment that that I just love and so proud of is that they say after reading the book it just stays with them for two or three weeks after. Mm. I bet it does. I bet it does. This mm. book, like I said love before, it, it it goes through every detail the how to crack the eggs for omelet. Like who could even thought that omelet got to be with fresh eggs, not just eggs, but with fresh eggs. It's detailed that much in this book, like. You'll be called up. You'll be like, dang, I'm slipping in this kitchen. Let me get up on my A game. <laughs> what? <laughs> to make sure that, that's because John called me at 10 o'clock at night and said, damn, I keep trying to do this omelet, chef. I can't get it right. I, he said, fold it to the middle. I said, John, it's 10 o'clock at night for crying out loud. 
look, 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 John, look, and you probably been like me. You did the recipe so many times, you get mad because it don't look it don't look exactly the way somebody else did. You be like, God darn it, it don't look right. And then you want then you want to throw it away. And my husband, this is what he'll tell me. He'd be like, no, you're not going to throw that away. We're going to eat that. <laughs> but I want you guys to stay tuned. We're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to come back with these wonderful guys, and we're going to talk more on the recipe. So don't touch that down. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. Open road, here comes the Hefley family. You pack the smartphones, headphones, tablets, water snacks, coolers, sunscreen, bikes, skateboards, games, videos, sunglasses. There's no room for people in here. Just don't wimp out on the most important thing. Deep fried butter on a stick. No, seatbelts. Whether it's a long haul or short trip. It's a win-win situation. Never give up until they buckle up. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, we're back with two exceptional authors. I'm here with one, John, who is an award-winning author whose writings have earned the Natalius Award. Um, and so many other awards. Then I'm also with Chef Charles Carroll, who currently serves as executive chef of his exclusive 1,700-member River Oaks Country Club, rated the number four country club in the United States by Club Management Magazine. These guys have so much on their belt. It's no, I'm surprised they're not even tired of talking to me right now, but they got it going on, honey, I tell you. Now, um, Charles, and speaking of that, you, you do, you run one, you run food for one of the busiest country clubs in the nation. How do you turn out that kind of volume, keeping it consistently high standard and maintain good team morale all at the time? Well, like you said before, we have six kitchens and I have 75 employees. So, you know, the secret is to hire really great people. You know, you got to yeah. hire great people and, and don't be afraid, afraid to hire, you know, people that are more talented than you in some categories. You know, you got to surround yourself. Right. And, then, and then, and then there's two other big secrets to that is is that you know it's my job to make sure the environment is as best as possible whether that be the perfect lighting and the 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 ambiance the the how the, the sanitation of the kitchen the professionalism the uniforms make sure that the ambiance uh uh in the environment is the absolute best it can be in on all cylinders and then last you know just be a really good listener you know and I don't care what business you're in if you don't listen to your team, you know you're not going. You're eventually going to fail. You have to listen to your people because you're not on that front line all the time. Right. So just listen, listen to what they have to say, you know, and and uh, and and what their needs are, and and then and then you'll be you'll be successful. Exactly. That would make a good leader. Good leader is able to serve someone else and able to listen 
Most definitely. Um, and you also, you took a team to Afghanistan just to put on the show and cook a meal mm. for 5,000 U.S. troops in your spare time. What made you do that? How did how were you able to pull it off? <laughs> I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Uh, I actually did it twice. I've been to Afghanistan three times and one on a recon uh, mission, but the, the other two times, 2011, 2013, and uh, the last one, 2013, we went over and I took 20 celebrities. I had a support team of, of, of 10 from Kuwait. We had 30,000 pounds of show gear. We had, we had 5,000 meals, Cajun Creole meals, and five ton of gifts that we gave away, anywhere from Visine, socks, uh, shooting gloves, uh, uh, music, movies, uh, energy drinks, you name it. And, and we went over there and did five shows. The last one was in Kandahar, and that's a base that has 30,000 troops on it. And, uh, and that was a seven-hour show there. And then we did four other shows in what we call forward operating bases, FOBs. And that's out further into the war zone where we jump in some Chinook helicopters. And, and, that, and I, I, you know, I get goosebumps talking about it. It's the most surreal thing uh that you've ever been in, involved in and to to be there and see what our men and women are doing for us so that we can live our day free and 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 chase our dreams and it's just amazing and and uh I'm we have some really incredible uh footage on my website um you know videos and movies and and pictures from Afghanistan it's just you know I had I had troops talk to me about about suicide and 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 oh, they were supposed wow. to be out of there 2 or 3 months ago and so it was really emotional. I got it was it was physically and mentally just draining. You don't be understanding what these guys go through. PTSD. I have one friend I talk to mostly, and he he says it's hard. It's hard. One minute he's happy, and the next minute he's down. And it it really is. You don't understand what these women and men are sacrificing. The yeah. emotional the emotional state that they're in. I can't even, I can't even imagine. It. They're going through a hard time than a woman who has, who has a baby. You know, we go through PTSD too, but they have to yeah. see somebody body parts laying around. That's tormenting. You got to bring that crap home with you every single day. You thinking about it. nobody can understand that unless they've been through it. So, I can imagine, and my heart go out to all the servicemen and women and who children are there in it. Um, you know, I kind of, I think I want to ask this question though, um, John. The subtitle says your book is about loss, love, and the ingredients of greatness. What are the ingredients of greatness? Well, you know, it's interesting. That that was, you know, writing the book was a process. And, and when you when you do something like this, it's a, it's a journey in the sense that you, you know what you're doing when you start. At least you know a little bit what you're doing. But as you go, you, you find stuff out you didn't expect, and it grows and it changes. And it's like Charles was talking about a project. And this story is no different. We knew we were talking about ingredients of greatness. Charles travels around the country talking about that all the time. I've been writing about that in books my whole life, um, you know, principles of greatness. But this, the loss and the love part of the subtitle, you know, kind of, kind of grew on us as the story developed. I mean, you talk about PTSD and troops and abroad and so forth. The story starts out with this boy has lost his dad. Now, most of us maybe didn't lose our fathers at age 14. I know I didn't. But I've had losses in my life. I've had tragedies. We've all, every, every one of us, every human being has had some kind of loss, some kind of struggles. Maybe a friend betrayed you or maybe you lost a job or maybe something you right. wanted to do. You didn't get to do whatever it was. 
we all carry kind of the scars of that. So mm-hmm. I, it's for me, the reason that comes first in the subtitle is that in life that often comes first. It's out of loss, out of a hardship. You, you get on the track of what you really love, what you're passionate about, and the ingredients of greatness kind of come out of that. And that's what the story is really about, is about how does this crusty old guy, this old military guy who's seen everything, how does he help this delicate, fragile, emotional, you know, angry, troubled, hurt, uh, grieving young kid, how does he help him get past his situation and get on with his life and really find his path? Uh, and that's, that's kind of what we hope the book will inspire in its readers, too, beyond the cooking and the recipes and the fun in the book, which is great. We also hope it will help people understand that, that we all have the ability to help others find their own path. Right, and that's what Owen is trying to do in this book, trying to find his own path. Every, everybody has to. You can yep. learn off the best of the best, but you can't be that person just the same way. When I was going to school for communication, I did my internship with the news station. The first thing he said, you could do it like us, but you cannot be us. You have to be yourself by the end of the day. You can learn You can yeah. learn from Chef Ramsey. Yeah. I can learn from you, Charles. But at the end of the day, I have to put my own little funk and spin on, on things. That's, that's what makes yeah. everybody unique yeah. and great. But you can always learn from the best. That's what we're all here to do. We're all here to learn from the mentors because that's what you guys are. You're yeah. mentors. But as mentees, we got to take that information and utilize it and do what we need to do with it too. Just don't sit on it. Um, in the book, the chef character says, everything you cook reveals everything you are. What does that mean, and how does it apply to those who aren't cooks? That's almost like everything you eat, you are. Yeah, it is, it is like that, isn't it? Funny about that. It's, um, you know, in a way, what he's saying is, you know, let's say you're in business. Let's say you're in sales mm-hmm. or you're in service. Maybe you're, you're in a restaurant, you're a server, or you're, you know, you're behind a retail counter, whatever you do. When that person walks in the door, they might be there for a car part or for a meal or for insurance or whatever they're there for. What they're getting is you. And what you really have to offer people, no matter what business you're in, is yourself. Um, You know, people are going to – and that's why, you know, in every business, the way people answer the phone, the way they greet you at the door, the way they greet you at the table, it's so critical, that human element, because when you have contact with somebody – Whatever mood you're in, now you can try to hide it, uh, but, but whatever state you're in, you communicate that state. People pick up on it. If you walk mm-hmm. into, your, into your business and you're, and you're, you know, you're ticked off at, at you know, your friend or whatever, or you, you had a bad morning, you had a bad night, but the chef says it's okay to have a bad, a bad morning. It's just not okay to serve your bad morning to others. So that's what that's really all about is that whatever you think you're doing in the world, what you're primarily doing is you're you're serving yourself to other people, and they're they're picking up on it. Right, and I have heard heard of that put, yeah, in the same same sense. That is true, just the same way when I wait on tables, people could sense when something is wrong. I was one day, I was so fierce because I had one woman, she walked out on me, and another lady picked up on it. She said, you're bad, but she said, let me explain to you, somebody else is going to come back and bless you, and I wasn't trying to, I mean, not that I wasn't trying to listen to her um, saying that, but yeah. it was like, okay. But at the same time, I'm responsible for this check because that's all I thought about. I'm responsible <laughs> for this check because you walked out on a hundred dollar bill. I'm like, oh my yeah. god! And that's at that moment, I left that 
what the woman did to me consume me. And I and I understand yeah. where you're coming yeah. from with that. Whatever you're going through, don't let that consume you. That's why we have to turn off the TV on the news. We got to stop listening to certain things on the radio. Stop listening to certain right. music. Some of that stuff consumes us. That's what the news does. The news is a fear for factor. It consumes us. It tells you, oh, the stock market's going down. Well, okay, you you get paranoid. Oh, just like and now my heart goes out to all the people in Las Vegas too. But that consumed most of us. That took over us. Yeah. Oh, dang. What we going to do? This is crazy. Uh-uh. Don't let that negative stuff stop you from what you're doing now. Because that's what the news does. It plays on our fears. And, the, and, and most likely, yeah, I went to school for that. But at the same time, it's all a it's all a game out here. It really is. It, it plays on you. It does. So I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. Um, well, there's two There's two other things the chef said. There's two other two of those. You asked about the ingredients of greatness. And there's two of his yeah. rules that really fit in with what you're saying right now. One of them is pay attention to the little things. When you do, the big things will tend to take care of themselves. And then later he says, if you want to get somewhere, put your energy, put your effort, put your focus into controlling the sail, not the wind. You can't control the wind. You can't control the news. You can't control your customer's mood. You can't control the circumstances around you. But if you just focus on the things that you can control, Focus on the space right around you. Focus on the little things of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And just elevate those to a level of greatness. Elevate the little things. And you may even think they're unimportant. But, you know, it's like sometimes we describe this book as like the karate kid meets master chef, right? <laughs> it's really what it is. It's like, so the karate kid, what does he do? He spends his time, you know, whitewashing this thing or putting the wax on and taking the wax off. Wax on, wax off. It seems totally inconsequential. He doesn't realize it. But in the process, he's mastering karate. Well, this is like that. You put your focus on the little things that you can control, that you have power over, you have dominion over, and, and just elevate those to a level of greatness. You know, you can't write a book. All you can do is write a sentence. That's how I write books, sentence at a time. You know, you can't worry right. about and I was, thing. I was trying to find, I was trying to find that because my mentor spoke on that. The things you can't really control. Amazing. When I'm looking for something, I can't really uh, find it. Yes. But he always gives us great notes. He just gave us one I got to catch up on. It's about Bruce Lee. He always gives you these different factors because everything we do is for the millionaire mind. It is to feed your brain. Um, uh, one more, one more chef statement is excellence is not greatness. Greatness is excellent plus honor. Why is excellence alone not the same as greatness? <laughs> you know, it's a, I thought about that a lot because uh, there's a lot about this book that is about excellence. And, you know, there's a lot about being a, a you know accomplished chef that's about excellence. There's a lot about writing that's about excellence. Uh, all my work with my Navy SEAL friend, you know, Navy SEALs, they, what are they about? They're all about excellence, like doing the maximum possible optimum best job with this task. But the, the challenge about that is you can do a great job but still have no heart or soul in it. I'll give you an example. I used to play music, uh, classical music, and we had an ensemble when I was a kid. The first violinist was this brilliant, uh, amazing child prodigy. He could play anything, but when he'd play a passage, it was like listening to a wooden post. You know, nothing, it just didn't touch you because his, his heart didn't reach out to his fingers. And it's, the chef talks to uh, the, the boy in the book about that. He says, you know, you can be, you can be a, a fantastically skilled technician, in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but it's a, but it's about working with people. And, and you know, Charles right. mentioned the, 
the, the picture on the cover of these blueberry pancakes. And it, it, they <laughs> harken back to a – yeah. This is like this, – this is the, the best blueberry pancake recipe you've ever tasted. And it, <laughs> it, it's, it's, the boy is thinking back to a scene when his father was still alive, years earlier when the boy was just eight. And he came down one Saturday morning and found his dad cooking breakfast for his mom in bed. Breakfast in bed Saturday morning. And he, he's, he's cooking his amazing blueberry pancakes. And the boy asks him, what makes the pancakes taste so great? Is it like the blueberries or the flour or the, the maple syrup? And his father says, Owen, the secret ingredient isn't anything in the pancakes. The secret ingredient is who you're making them for. That's honor. That's the X factor. That's what's beyond me. It's like the heart in it. That's why are you doing what you're doing? Who are you doing it for? Who are you serving? That, that to me is really kind of the heart of the book. And that's the heart of that, the answer to that, to that question about, about greatness and honor. Oh, now, um, now there's, there's a military element to the story that I don't want to say too much about because it's something of a surprise. Where did hmm. that come from? Ah, man, you know, I, I don't know. We could, we could, either one of us could take that, but you heard about, you know, Chef Charles' experience in Afghanistan. I know that really uh, touched him in a, in a pretty profound way. And um, I, I've had some, some experience with, with special operations guys I've written books with, but uh, Chef, if you're still around, you should probably answer that question better than me. Well, I mean, you know, I, I get, <laughs> I get asked all the time, you know, you know, is is the book about you or which one are you? Are you Owen or are you the chef? Mm-hmm. And and right. I think the answer is all of the above. You know, uh, the um, some days I'm you know I'm thinking about the book or reading the book. I'm I think I, I, I have parts of Owen in me, and the other, the other times I think I'm parts of Chef and, and the mentoring and putting the hands on the shoulder of, of the boy, and uh, and then. And but but then I see a lot of my dad in the chef. I see a lot of, of one of my mentors at the Balsams Grand Resort Hotel, Phil Leonard, who is a retired uh, military marine. Um, kind of that in my mind, believe it or not, that's where I envision the mitts, the the size of the hands, the mitts of the chef. You know, were, were kind of influenced me silly enough by my first one of my first mentors, and so. Yeah, the military is very, very, very near and dear to me. I mean, I mean, uh, and that's what drove the Afghanistan projects. Uh, you know, for some reason, and I, I don't know why, my, none of my family were in the military. My grandfather was, but none of my family. Uh, but it's just something about. I, I, it might have been triggered after 9/11 that standing in a stadium and listening to the national anthem, that that it just it just hit hit me hard. It, every time I hear the national anthem, it hits me hard, and so. I have the utmost respect for our military uh, and everything that they do for us and, and, and what they go through. So it just seemed natural. Um, one of my dear friends who helped me with Operation Hot, honoring our troops, the Afghanistan projects, you know, obviously was a, a military guy, Chief David Longstaff. So that's kind of why that character had a military essence to it. Well, I think I think it's really going to touch everyone's hearts once they read it. What this book who was this book actually written for, and what do you actually hope people will get from it? Is it for young audience as well? Well, I, I'm glad you asked that because it's for everybody, okay. <laughs> right, John? I mean, I mean, who doesn't love food? I mean, that's what. And, yeah, right. and, and to be honest, uh, Tanisha, we we have movie interest right now. We are talking. In fact, I was just texting last night with a very famous uh, actor and son. 
uh, who are, they have their own production company, and we're in very serious discussions right now about this thing coming a movie. And oh, so okay. all your all your listeners have to go out and buy this book and be a part of it as it grows and, and as they see it come to a widescreen. But um, yeah, it's for everybody, and, and and John and I are proud of that. You know, it doesn't really fit any no, one no. category. Right, you guys should be. That's a whole nother step. We're gonna be looking at someone actually after a while. Well, once you do this move, we'll be looking at someone doing a move on YouTube, like they did with Julia Child. And 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 to be honest, I didn't even think of it when they did the movie about her life. I was not even thinking of her till they showed, I think, a a picture of her at the end. I was like, oh my god, I used to watch her on PBS growing up because PBS was the thing for us eighty babies. So. I, I was like, oh, wow, and I used to love it, and then they used to trip me out because they'll have another little skill up on it already done. I'd be like, that sucks. <laughs> you already got the food prepared. <laughs> Thank we was all thinking we was all little chefs back then, but I knew that was not my good dream goal, but I used to love it. Um, now, if there's one lesson you hope people would take from reading this book, what would it be, guys? Hmm. Here you go, John. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, it's funny because, in a way, obviously the book is about Owen. It's the boy's book, right? It's a story. It's right. a story of a, of this boy on a quest to find his. But if you turn it around, look at it from the other point of view, it's also the chef's book. It's a it's a really a story about mentoring. It's a story about how. And by the way, there are some twists and turns and surprises in the book, and the chef has some some growth and some learning to do too. But it's a story about how, how the chef reaches out to this boy. And I think one, one thing I'd like to see people take from it is to understand that you have an impact on other people and that the way you give them your time, the way you give them your attention, the way you treat them can have an enormous impact on their life. Um, in the story, there's a, there's a place I won't give this much away, but there's a person that the boy's father had a huge impact on. And we don't really learn who that is or how that happened until late in the book. But it's a pivotal piece of the story. So I guess I'd, my answer would be you matter to other people. You make a difference in other people's lives, often when you're not even aware of it, just to become more aware of that. That is, that is so true. So what's in store for you guys next? Besides, we know that you'll be doing a demo, getting that ready, working with a video crew. So what's next on the list? Well, for me, for me, I get well, John's coming into town. So, you know, uh, Tanisha, he, he, he eats like unbelievable. He doesn't stop eating this guy. So I, I got to get <laughs> a bunch of groceries in the house. I got to I still got to start cooking like now. John, yeah, you sound so, like uh, me. That's, <laughs> that's what my coworkers tell me. They always tell me, you always eat it, but I... I always try to eat the right things, and and come to find out after my coworker showed me this video on what the hell, I'm like, uh, oh, it's gonna take me a minute to go vegan. I, I'm not ready to just, I don't crave meat like that, but I'm not ready to just throw it away either. So I'm like, okay, give me a moment. <laughs> but I'm like well, you, John. I love to eat. <laughs> we're we're excited. John's coming to town. We have a radio show we're doing on on Saturday oh, wow. the 28th. That's a cleverly oh, really? radio show in Houston. And then we have a, a book signing at the, the River Oaks Bookstore here in Houston, um, and we're, we have a little show to do there. And we have a, um, a possible TV spot with uh, local television. And, um, you know, we're busy with the podcast, the recipe podcast, 
Celebrity Secret to a Successful Life. So love to mm-hmm. have you uh, have your listeners join us there. And and then the movie, okay. work on a movie and TV show. And I know John's got four books he's got to write too. So oh Lord, you guys got your yep. you got your agenda booked, honey. But I know you can do. It. You don't got this far. You accomplished so much in your life. There's nothing that won't stop you. Like I always tell people, God got your back. You won't put no more on you than you can bear. There you go. <laughs> but I appreciate you, Charles and John, for being here. And listeners, if you're watching the replay, make sure you share it with everyone. Please go out and get this wonderful book called The Recipe. And it's actually got recipes in the back, too. And and it's got a recipe on chicken noodle soup that I'm going to make because I was just thinking that. Like last week, I said, darn it, because I didn't get none from the store. I was like, I wish I could make my own recipe, and I had time to look up for one. So now I got one. Yay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But before I leave you, my listeners, you know I love to give the truth of the day from my friend and former guest, Mary Ellen Siknovich. Meditation is a powerful tool to assist you through the life challenges you face. A contemplative move will provide you with answers to your most pressing questions. Utilize the gentle rhythm of your breath to relax and release thoughts that will unlock the answers you seek. An introspective desire allows you to look deep within while giving you a greater understanding of yourself and the world. Keep your most pressing question in your mind as you sit quietly, releasing this question to the universe as you breathe. Ask your question, then let go listening to the insights that come to you from God. Today, create space for a quiet time of meditation, listening to God. Enjoy the day, everyone, and I thank you so much for listening. I'll see you the next time on the meditation. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 